0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Foster Career Chats. I'm your host, Chris Milliken. Brought to you by the Foster Career Center, this podcast series provides career and industry-related insights specifically for the students of the Foster School of Business.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Lindsay, a career coach at the University of Washington Foster School of Business. Today, we'll be talking about the art of small talk. According to the Harvard Business Review, there's nothing small about the role that small talk plays in American professional culture. For example, you can be the most technically skilled worker in the world, but your ability to progress in your job and move up the corporate ladder in the United States is dependent on your ability to build and maintain positive relationships with people at work. And guess what skill is critical for building and maintaining these relationships? You guessed it, small talk. To dive into this topic, I have invited the Director of Foster Career Services, Andy Rabatoy, to speak with me about how to sharpen this crucial skill. Andy has served as the Executive Director at Foster since 2012, and prior to his time at UW, his experience as a leader in higher education and coach spanned the Goizueta Business School at Emory University, and the University of California San Diego campuses. Welcome Andy, thank you for being here.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Lindsay. Thanks for the introduction. It's hard for me sometimes. I I forget that I've been in so many locations across the United States, so I appreciate you bringing (laughs) that up. But first, before we get started, can we talk about these palm trees behind you in your Zoom?
1: Oh, yes. I today have to say-
0: It certainly isn't Seattle, so uh, share with me where you are.
1: Andy, thanks for mentioning it. I'm actually super proud of my Zoom background right now. It's my hometown, San Jose, oh, California. San Jose. Yes. And a fun fact that's where Zoom is headquartered. And since we're on Zoom so much, I figure it makes sense.
0: Um, and before we get started, I do have to ask how are you feeling about your ZAGs right now?
1: Oh, Andy, how did you know Gonzaga is, well, you are my boss, so you do know, but Gonzaga is my alma mater, and last night, they barely won. They're supposed to be number one in the nation, and they just squeaked by. It was a little stressful. Did you watch the game?
0: I did not watch that game, but I've watched uh, their other two games where they did very well, so it looks very promising for them throughout the year.
1: I always appreciate that moral support.
0: (laughs) Well, good. Well, it's good, good being here. Thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, Andy. And with my first co- question for you, um, why are conversation skills vital to professional success?
0: I, I Thank you. For, that's a great way to start. I think they are the most vital piece to the professional success. I, and let's take the job search and the hiring process as an example, right? Um, many of you are in technical degrees. And you know that the tech skills are very important. And it's very important in any job, I think, in looking in today's world. So tech skills are great. And tech skills are are paramount, right? The skills, knowledge, and abilities that you can demonstrate technically or even through assessments in a hiring process are going to be extremely important. But at the end of the day, as a hiring manager or someone that's evaluating you, I need to know that I want to work with you. And that I want to work around you, or that you would be a a valuable team member when it comes to communication and engagement. And the only way that I'm going to learn that is through the minimal connection that we've had. And in many cases, that's like either, let's say, an informational interview or a networking event, or even at a job fair, or even in the interview itself. It's a limited amount of time, which I can observe and understand the technical or skills that you're bringing, but also do you have those communication or those personable skills that make it make me think like this is someone that I really want to work with and I can get along with.
1: Absolutely. That's a a great reminder that really a hiring manager only sees so many sides of you before they provide that offer letter if they do decide to extend it to you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's the beauty. You have so much information about yourself in those uh, experiences, but the a person on the other side has no information in many cases, other than let's say maybe a one-page resume that is only highlighting certain things. So I look at this as a great opportunity in which you can really share the important things about yourself in a, in a real personable fashion.
1: Thanks, Andy, and that leads to my next question because it can be hard to know what to talk about. So what are some good conversation topics?
0: Well, first off, I'm excited that you're using the word word conversation and that we're not talking about networking because I think you use terminology like that, and I think it elevates the anxiety. The end of the day, we're having conversations. So think about they're humans. The people you're talking to are human, and they're looking for a human connection. Some, I think that foundation-wise, an easy way to start is, what are the common bonds? Like, what are the common foundations? And this is a typical go-to, I think, for anyone in a conversation or in a small talk experience. Think about what are the commonalities. And let's say it's it could be weather. It could be Seattle. Let's say you are in Seattle and the traffic that you had to deal with, you know, or maybe some news events that are local there. Um, You could also go broaden it. By sports, right? Let's say if it's someone that's actually in a different location, you could talk about the weather in Boston and the Celtics or some some commonalities that are going to be exposed to everyone. Um, I think that is a normal baseline. Now, when I say baseline, I mean, that's a baseline that you can start if you don't have anything else going on. But this is where I think it's important. Research in advance before or you start talking to that individual, regardless of if it's, a, if it's a networking event or an interview or an informational interview, you have to research them in advance and research them you know, to learn about them, um, to make it more of a conversational approach. So um, you have beautiful resources in front of you like LinkedIn, right? Or even the websites of a company will have a profile of the person that you might be talking to, or at minimum, the department, so you can understand what that department's about, what maybe what the products that they're working on, press releases from that company in their website is always a good place to go to, to understand what accolades and what they're proud of, and maybe, you know, um, mergers that have happened recently that you could talk about. Those are threads that can start a conversation as well and lay the groundwork. Um, to a successful engagement. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, This, I just used this um, last week actually in a conversation with Salesforce. Um, We had the opportunity to engage with them um, Salesforce is not uh, not a company that has a lot of, um, we you know, we get postings, but they haven't been as active as, let's say, you know uh, schools that they're working with in the Bay Area. So this was a great opportunity for me to engage with them. Well, of course, the first thing I did was stalk the person on LinkedIn. And then in this respect, stalking is okay. because <laughs> You're just looking at information that's public, right? Um, and I noticed the person that I'm talking to actually is from the Portland, Oregon area which I just happened to be, that's where I was born and raised in that area. So I immediately started the conversation off with, oh, I see that you are from Sandy, Oregon, and I, my brother lives just not that far from there and that kind of thing. And it immediately took this professional engagement or conversation into a relational approach. And it brought down... The the anxiety and more. It just we were people. We were people talking, and that's what you're lo- really looking to strive to do. Because then you lay the groundwork of a rapport that's happening, and then you can start talking about your skills, knowledge, and abilities for this particular engagement. But um, the other thing to be thinking about, uh, you know, when it is a conversation, um, and in these, let's say it's an informational interview or a networking thing people love to talk about themselves. So the more curious you are about this and the research that you've done in advance, you're just laying some really good groundwork for a a beneficial conversation.
1: Absolutely, Andy, Uh, thank you so much. And I love that Salesforce example. I think that's why you are such a super connector. You make it so easy to connect with you. And um, that's a fun story to hear. So knowing that conversational norms vary across cultures, how do you determine what you share about yourself in these kinds of conversations?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you got to go in it with a goal. Like, and the goal is to create rapport, but also you're collecting information, right? So the, again, we're going to go back to the common bonds and, and you go with what you're comfortable with. If you're only comfortable with, you know, the, I'll say surface things just to get the conversation started, that's fine. But I think if you do think about um, doing a little bit of research in advance, your curiosity will start flowing, right? And you, you know, you will impress them that you've done a little research and that you are asking thoughtful questions about them and about their background and the things that they're interested in, Um, which I think going across culture norms, that's a, that's a great approach. The more that you are genuine and the more that you're showing curiosity and the more that you research, I don't, regardless of what culture you're from, I think that's a norm that's going to stabilize a conversation and really put it in a positive direction. Um, I think in many cases, a lot of students think that there is just a formula out there. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to follow this formula and this template and I'll have this template and then I will just verbatim write ev- say everything down. I think we have to go back to, is this an actual conversation? Is this how you talk to a friend, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't talk to a friend like a robot. <laughs> it doesn't, that it doesn't, that's not showing any genuineness and it's not showing any rapport. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, not only are you talking about how you are the fit for this, for this, let's say this job and you have the technical skills for it, but I need to know that you can have a conversation too. And I think the more you try to force it into a template, um, it's problematic and I, we put those resources out for students as a framework, but it doesn't mean verbatim. If that makes sense.
1: Absolutely finding something that's genuine to you um, and that these conversation skills show your soft skills like communication is so important and we hear that from professionals all of the time.
0: And Lindsay, so. I'm curious what are maybe some things that you uh, feel uh, you like to share personally in these types of
1: engagements. Andy, that's a a great question. So really, it's almost twofold for me. One, in my professional career, I really had to follow my gut instincts of finding myself in the spaces where I know I want to be, where my skills will be a value add. Because when I'm in those spaces, I feel confident. Uh, When I'm in a space where I'm maybe not as interested or I'm feeling intimidated, I'm pretty quiet. but when I'm in a space that I'm excited about, then I go to one, just observing my surroundings. Um, for example, I even remember interviewing for this role. And I remember two of the team members who I was interviewing with, they were both wearing the same shade of pink. And it was the late 2017 and millennial pink. This was the apex of that color. And so just even talking about millennial pink, um, they were both wearing it. It was so easy. And I didn't, I couldn't have prepared for that necessarily. It was just something, an easy observation that led to easy conversation. So um, I think twofold, those have helped me um, in conversation. Yep.
0: Very good. I remember that interview well.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was all, it was a lot of fun, and I have to say that um, I, I did a ton of research, too, like you mentioned, um, checking out the website, um, even the Foster Career Services Instagram page, just to get a sense of that culture. So I knew that it would be a place that it could be appropriate for me to, to ask about team dynamics and ask people about themselves. Mm-hmm. So... Andy, I'm curious, can you share an example of when someone really impressed you with their conversation skills, and do you have an example of when small talk was not as effective?
0: Yeah, I have, so for the first half of your question, I have two examples that come to mind. Um, One of which is a very close friend and and, uh, an esteemed colleague of mine, her name is Susan Terry, who is was, was the director of the Career Center um, at University of Washington Centralized Career Center. She's now retired. But I would say she is the ultimate conversationalist. Um, to me, seeing her engage and it doesn't matter if you're a high level person or a student, um, you know, backgrounds, you name it. She has a genuineness about her that Feels like you're the only person in the room, that she's listening to everything uh, you're saying, and that she ha- you have her undivided attention. And I think that's a, very important when you're having these types of conversations, particularly with people that you're not familiar with. The other example actually comes from Lindsay Fresnick. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought up your interview experience, because that's the thing I was going to mention as it, it sparked my... Um, mind, I, I have to say, you know, we get, we have, a, a, I've been very fortunate with the people that have worked here, um, but there's always been a variety of interview scenarios. And I have to say, Lindsay coming into an environment where she didn't know anyone um, and the way that the conversation was so easy from the get-go, she, she was able to be very natural and throw humor in a, 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 even at the beginning, it really set a tone. I remember walking through the um, Packard hall and and just giving a tour before she started her interview. And the conversation was like, I was talking to a really close friend that i have been hanging out with for a while. And I thought, um, this can go places. Like this is the, the natural conversation that's gonna put students at ease. So to me, it was already a win Going into the, before even we got to the interview question, she had already laid the groundwork of, oh yeah, she's going to be able to connect with students. I don't have to worry about that. So kudos to you, Lindsay, and of course you are doing that in your career now. So when it has not been effective, I I will use this example that when it's not effective is one, I think the robot approach that we kind of talked to talked about in the past or in the last question, but also I can't. I can't um, highlight enough or emphasize that ha- preparing in advance really is gonna be important. Once you feel more confident about the information that you're talking about yourself, but also that company or that person, the better it's the better it's gonna flow. When you haven't done that is when it really breaks down. And I'll use job fairs as an example. Employers say this all the time. And trust me, when you are on the other side, and you will be, whether it's at a job fair or someone's contacting you or uh, for an informational interview or you're in, a, you're, uh, you're in a network scenario representing a company, you'll understand this. When someone comes up to you, a student, let's say, and says, well, what do you do? Or what does your company do? That's, a, that's the end of the conversation right there. Like If you haven't taken the time to at least look at what our company does or have an idea of like my background and the area that I work in, like I work in sales, why are you talking to me about, you know, uh, operations, you know, whatever it is, like, if you haven't taken the time to do a little bit of homework on this, you're not, you're not putting yourself you're, you're probably not going to win the race in this circumstance. So I think it's going to be really important to do the do a little bit of preparation in advance. It takes you a long way.
1: That's so awesome, Andy. And I, I think that that advice is so helpful. There's so much information out there. So even if you just have a few minutes, that can really make all the difference. Right. And finally, you know, um, some people starting conversations can be really hard. Um, maybe you identify as being more introverted, uh, and you prefer emailing, but really conversations, they're just going to be a part of the interview process, even um, your life as a professional once you're hired. So for people who maybe don't feel so comfortable starting a conversation, what advice do you have to, to ease in or to start building this skill?
0: Yeah, I may sound like a broken record, but I'm going to go back to start with preparation. If you start with putting, a, you have to put some work into this to make it successful. So websites, LinkedIn, all those resources. Well, if you research a little bit in, in this advance, it will cure most of the uh, you know not knowing or not uh, not sh- not being comfortable starting a conversation, right? But I think the other thing is that you have to look for connection opportunities. And I'm going to go back to this, the beginning of this podcast. And I was talking with Lindsay about her virtual background, right? And I happen to know, and I just know this, and you could see from her LinkedIn profile, if you went, she went to Gonzaga. And so I just knew that was a natural connection. Zags are doing great in basketball. They're ranked number one. She's probably a fan. If she's not, she certainly is. Has some knowledge about them. So those were connection opportunities when I just, I had enough, I had a little bit of information that I could start with that it automatically creates a ground game that's beneficial to me, right? Um, And it makes it more comfortable for myself. I will show, I'll give you another example of this is how this, you know, in Zoom, you can use backgrounds is very, very easy. Like people have books in many cases behind them. And you might be able to see the titles of those and you could talk, that could be a, a great connection piece to kind of start um, the conversation. Um, in an interview in, in in person let's say experiences when we get back down to doing in- person <laughs> stuff again, um, read the room, read the environment that's around you with and start not even in the interview room, but start with the receptionist start an engagement there, see what the surroundings are, what the artwork is on the walls, you know, how things might be designed, you know, are they announcing certain things or are there certificates of things that you, that could, you could talk about? Those are things that you can always bring into a conversation in those times. And in, in, let's say in an interview that it doesn't feel, um, it feels like there might be some dead space that you can kind of weigh something in. I'm going to give you an example of how this worked in my favor. My first, I, my first uh, job in higher education. I was in my uh, early 30s, and I was applying. For, I was interviewing at the University of California, San Diego Career Center, and I'm meet, the end of the interview. I'm meeting with the director. High anxiety. I was completely stressed out. I've been interviewing all day, and now I'm with this director who. It was a leader in our profession, and and to this day still is. And it was very, you know, it was a nervous scenario for me. I'm going through the interview, and I happen to notice on the wall is a landscape of the city of Seattle, and I'm like, wait, I'm in San Diego. Why does this person have a San Die or Seattle landscape? I mean, I'm curious about that. So that that at the end of interviews, and you're always going to get these. What kind of questions do you have? That was the first question I went to. It was like, yeah, I'm really curious. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you have Seattle landscape? Because you know I'm from Washington State. Because you know I was living in San Diego at the time, but I wanted to share that I am from Washington State. He goes, yeah, I know you're from Washington. We actually, I see that you went to Western Washington University, which is what my alma mater too. And I lived there. And immediately that conversation went from an interview mode to conversation rapport. And I walked out of there feeling like, I think, I think this is going to work. And sure enough, I was very fortunate that they offered me the position. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I could, I was able to look at some cues and, and make it happen. Now on that note, I don't uh, one caution is that you don't want to force things, right? You don't mm. want to force a conversation or force a situation that's not there. You you kind of have to read the room and see how it's going to work. And it's not always, good. this is when I talk about formulas. Sometimes formulas don't work in certain environments. Um, so you want to be careful with that in the conversation itself. So I think, you know, allow your personality to be seen and be your authentic self in that conversation is always important. I'm curious, Lindsay, what are some strategies that you have?
1: Uh, That's awesome, Andy. I think going off of that curiosity is a great place to start. uh, And also going into your strengths, kind of like you you mentioned Gonzaga basketball and how you could mention that as a a commonality. Many people are familiar with the team, uh, but you don't actually have to know a lot about basketball. So if you're not a basketball fan, that's okay. You can maybe ask questions about Spokane if you're curious to ever visit. Um, allow that to be a segue. I know I know a lot more maybe about pop culture than the Seattle Seahawks, but if I ask my colleagues, you know, um, how, like how do you watch the Seahawks? What are you making for snacks when you're watching the game? Like I I can find pockets where I can genuinely contribute to the conversation versus talking about. Uh, I don't even know what league they're in.
0: (laughs) That is such a good point Lindsay because I am basketball is not my sport I don't know a lot about it but I know enough because I researched Lindsay and I know her background that I know Gonzaga is a top-ranked basketball team and you can start there so I think that's a really good it's, it's an important distinction that you've addressed thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, really just going to what you feel comfortable talking about and being open to um, letting the conversation unfold naturally. And I think, as Andy said, to highlight, people love talking about themselves. So asking those big open-ended questions, um, you're going to find yourself in a win-win situation. Agreed. Well, I, Andy, I know I could keep chatting with you, <laughs> but I'm going to end on this final question. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received?
0: Well, I, th- I think um, there's a couple things, and, and these are themes throughout it. So I think it's a good way of tying it together. Think of these as conversations and not networking. I think as soon as students start using the term networking, they there's a, there's an anxiety of like, oh, I can't do this. You. You can. It's called a conversation. You have them every day with your friends or your family or whatever, or even with Lindsay, you know, or another coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a conversation, and just and and go with that approach. The other thing is, is always do your preparation, research in advance. But the key words, and we've used these a few times through this, is be genuine. You have it's your person, it's your personality, and 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 your ability to be personal. But I can't stress enough curiosity. Be curious. It's amazing how far a little bit of curiosity will take you in a conversation. Trust me. So I I think those are the things that I would definitely stress as words of advice.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Andy. And you know, I actually think that that is a great note to end on. And I think those three things are so tangible for students to take away today. So um, I hope you all use this as you are preparing for interviews, networking events, or even as you start those new jobs, whether it's a virtual onboarding process or starting in person, building rapport and trust with your colleagues um, is really going to pay dividends for you. So um, if you are looking to practice these conversational skills or brainstorm different topics about how to, where you can be genuine and curious when speaking with professionals, I encourage you to schedule a career coaching appointment um, by logging on to Handshake and uh, keep listening to our podcast. And thank you for tuning in and thanks for being here, Andy. I've learned a lot today.
0: Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, I guess go Zags this year for you.
1: <laughs> Yes. Go Zags. (laughs) Thanks, Andy.
0: Thank you.